Welcome to the Business of Psychology podcast, the show that helps you to reach more people, help more people, and build the life you want to live by doing more than therapy. It can feel really overwhelming when you first start a psychology or therapy practice and you realise you need to put together a marketing plan, (laughs) especially when that word is new to you and it sounds like it's going to be this massive document which requires loads and loads of time and loads and loads of training to get right. And this episode today I hope is going to be a bit of an antidote to all of the noise that is out there on the subject of marketing a private practice. Because one of my core aims when I set up Psychology Business School was to create a simple, overwhelm-free marketing plan for psychologists and therapists to follow. And in this episode, I'm going to introduce you to the three bases that you must cover in your marketing, whether your aim is to get more therapy clients or to grow something else in your practice, like an online course or another passive income stream. We'll also talk about how you start to tackle them. So what are the three core strategies for marketing a psychology or therapy practice? Number one, I call high touch relationship building. And the reason it's referred to in marketing speak as high touch is it's about actually reaching out to real life people and connecting with them. So this is not something that you can automate at all. It's about genuinely getting to know people and reaching out to them. That's your first strategy. Your second strategy is around building authority and gaining a reputation as an expert in your field. And your third strategy is growing an online audience. So in order to develop a sustainable psychology or therapy practice going forward that's going to you know, bring you work for the next decade, you need to use all three of those strategies as part of your plan. However, your current position in your practice and your current goals will determine what you focus on at any one time. You can't successfully focus on all three at once unless you have lots of time and lots of support, probably in the form of a paid team. So it's very important to understand first which strategy is needed to get the results that you want to see. So let's have a think about when you would want to focus on high-touch relationship building. This strategy is at the core of any successful business. People who have a personal connection to you are much more likely to use your service, buy your product, or recommend you to a friend who is your ideal client. And that is very often the route that we're looking at when we're looking for our first therapy clients. So you need to be spending some time every week on your high-touch relationship building, whatever project you're working on and whatever goals you have for your practice. This is the foundational one. It's the one that pretty much for all businesses we need to start with. So it's especially important if you need more one-to-one therapy or coaching referrals, you need more people to pay your full fee. So maybe you've got lots of referrals, but they're coming in from insurance companies or other third parties that are paying you too little for your time. Um, or it's also an important strategy for you if you're launching a service or a product in an area which is quite new for you and you don't yet have any kind of reputation or following. So how does high-touch relationship building work as a strategy? 
Well, as I mentioned before, it's all about developing meaningful relationships. So essentially, you're trying to get deep conversations going with ideal clients or people who are connected to your ideal clients. So that could be other professionals or business owners who have a lot more contact with your ideal clients than you do. So I go into detail about how to go about this in several episodes, actually, of this podcast. Um, So I'll link to those in the show notes so that you can get a bit more in-depth guidance on the how-to. But essentially, strategies that are really good for getting that kind of face-to-face or Zoom-to-Zoom in-depth conversations with people are business networking. So that could be the big ones, like I think BNI is an international network. Um, It could be Mums in Business, the Women in Business Network, and the Athena Network is another one. Um, There are loads out there, absolutely loads of of these networking meetings. Your best bet, if you're looking for professional networking, is to type into your search engine, business networking near me. and look at what comes up in your area because it does vary and I've moved all over the country um, joining different networking groups so definitely worth giving that a google. Another way of getting those in-depth conversations and relationship building going is through professional networking so that could be BPS events, ACP events, BACP, whatever your professional body is going along to networking events that they put on, joining in with activities that um, professional sections or committees are putting on, uh, and really getting to know your colleagues. Because we do a lot, in our, in our profession, all mental health professionals, we do a lot of cross-referral. There are so many times that people come to me that I think, mm, that's not my specialism, I'm not the best person to work with that individual but I'd really like to pass them on to somebody I trust and building up those networks is incredibly important. It also means if you ever want to offer something to other professionals like supervision or training you will have people who trust you enough to come along and and come to your first event so that's really important too. You can also reach out to people via LinkedIn and I've talked a bit on this podcast before about how you can search for people by profession on LinkedIn um, and suggest Zoom or real life coffees with them. Um, I've done that every time I've moved somewhere new um, and it's been really successful for building up that network of people who might want to refer to me and who I might want to refer to. So these are reciprocal relationships that are useful for everybody. You can also use it to directly reach out to people who might be in your ideal client group if that's appropriate to the kind of service that you're offering. I'd also really recommend reaching out to old connections. So colleagues, um, ex-supervisors, anybody who knows that you're good at your job because they've worked with you before and letting them know what you're doing now and asking for their feedback. Uh, It's really valuable because these are the people who are going to be recommending you Um, because they know that you're good. So you've got much less work to do um, if you can get your existing networks spreading the word for you. Really important. And then finally, just to remind you to tell everybody in your life what you're doing and why. (laughs) Even people that you don't, that you can't see any connection to your ideal client group. You never know who they're going to meet and you never know who might really benefit from from the fact that they can pass your name to them. So please don't be shy about doing that. I was petrified of doing that when I first started my business. I literally set it up in secret. I don't think anybody in my life knew that I was even doing it. 
Um, but my business really started to take off when I just started to tell everybody um, that I was in private practice and what my specialism was. Um, because people will want to refer their friends, acquaintances, work colleagues to you. They just need to know uh, what, what it is that you're offering. So please do do that. So that's basically, in a nutshell, your high-touch relationship-building strategy. And for most people, that is the, the core marketing strategy that I recommend starting with. So if you've not done any marketing before, if you're brand new to private practice and you're thinking, where should my focus be? It should probably be on the high-touch relationship-building because that's what's most likely to get you that bedrock of clients paying your fees, which mean that you've then got a little bit of... Um, of wiggle room, a bit of um, disposable income in order to give more time to the other aspects of marketing. So that brings me on to the second strategy that you'll need to use for your psychology practice, and that is building authority. Now, I just need to caveat, I know that you're awesome. <laughs> and I know very well what it means when you tell me that you've got 20 years of NHS experience. I know and I value your qualifications, but the fact is we live in a world where non-medical mental health professionals are often really undervalued. Um, just as the concept of protecting mental well-being itself is often really undervalued in our society. So therefore, in order to command the fees that we're worth, to raise the profile of our professions and to encourage that cultural shift that we all want to see in the way mental health is viewed, we need to be out there showing people the difference that our knowledge and skills can make to the world. So we've got to be out there showing our authority. So when is it important to do this? When might you want to focus on building authority? Well, it's always important to be building your authority as it's the only way to get properly paid for your work, either directly by people paying you or via grant funding um, or by employers even. If you can't demonstrate your authority, you're not going to command the best salaries. Um, if you're wanting to go into employment, um, you're also not going to be able to write the most compelling grant applications. So you have to have stuff behind you that shows people that you are the right person to, to help them or help this client group. So this needs to be a particular area of focus for you if you've got plenty of referrals, but they're mostly from third parties that aren't paying you enough, uh, or you're wanting to develop a new specialism in an area where you might not have a kind of published research or you might not have um, built up a huge professional network yet. And you need to focus on this, and this is the crucial one, if you're wanting to sell anything online to a national or international audience. So that would include any of your passive income streams or your semi-passive income streams, courses, books, resource packs, anything. Because as soon as you go beyond your local network, people will need to see evidence that they can trust you with their money, even if it's a fiver. You know, people need to be able to trust you before they're going to part with that. So how do you go about building your authority? Well, there's quite a few ways of doing it. It's basically about being visible and getting in front of people. So these are just some ideas for how you might be able to do that. So the first one is public speaking. 
So are there events that you could speak about your core topic at? You know, there are professional events where you might be able to talk about your specialism, but also think a bit more broadly around that. Um, I, I did a speaking engagement last year at a content marketing event, and I wasn't talking about marketing. <laughs> I was talking about why entrepreneurship can be challenging for mental health. And that got me in front of a whole new audience and helped me to build authority with a whole new group of people. Um, the second thing you want to consider is academic publishing. So uh, publishing systematic reviews, we've got an episode on that with Danielle Bodycoat talking about how to do that in independent practice. We've also got a masterclass on it in the Do More Than Therapy membership because even if you're not creating your own research, then just synthesizing the research that is, is out there and getting that published in an academic journal, it really positions you as an expert in your field. Um, I actually did a... Um, critical review how many years ago now uh, oh wow lots of years ago about five years ago um, and I still get people contacting me about that critical review to this day so that is still kind of working for me and building my authority now so although yes a systematic review is a huge piece of work um, and I'm not underestimating that. Danielle, in her podcast episode and in the masterclass, shares a lot of tips for how you can reduce the burden on yourself and team up with other people um, to do it. And it is well worth it for building that authority in your field. Another thing you might want to consider is academic affiliations. So having a post or um, conducting research within an academic institution it, it does carry weight. It carries weight with the public. It carries weight with um, publishers, organisations that you might want to work with. So if you've got time um, to give to an academic post, there can be real benefit to your independent work from doing that. So I definitely consider that. Also, something I'd consider doing, if you possibly can, is getting supervision from a real expert, especially if you're planning to um, publish books or create courses in a particular area ha knowing that you're being supervised by somebody that's at the forefront of that field and getting them to support you with that journey it will give you a lot more confidence in your marketing and it will also get you introduced to the right kind of people to really push that idea forward yes you're going to have to pay a lot for it of course you are they're the leading expert in their field but if you're serious about it and you want to you know, stand alongside them and create something which is um, on a par with some of the amazing stuff that they're creating, then you need to get beside them and you're going to have to pay for the privilege of that. Um, so try and try and do that, pursue that if you possibly can. I think it's well worth it. You can also build your authority by providing training for professionals and business networks. So it might be that your local networking group would really benefit from a session on mental well-being, for example, if that's related to your specialism. You can provide that. It's not going to take you a huge amount of effort, um, but it allows you to show your authority. Also, often these things can be recorded and you can put that on your website as evidence of your ability to do public speaking for some of your bigger um, public speaking uh, engagements that you might end up going for. So that can be really beneficial. 
You can also build authority by providing training or advice on social media platforms. So I have shared with you a few tactics that I recommend for doing that on Facebook. Um, So I'm going to share that link with you in the show notes to this episode. Um, And you can do it in your own community and you can also do it in other people's communities. And I really recommend doing that just to get your name out there and start really showing people what you can do for them rather than just telling them about it. Linked to that is all of your cornerstone content. So you've heard me talk about Cornerstone content on this podcast loads of times. These are your blogs, your podcasts, your YouTube videos, the things that you create which are designed to help people, provide them value and crucially show your approach and show how you work with people. These are all really great authority builders. So you need to get working on those if you haven't got them already and you're planning to build authority. And finally, media engagement. So you might have heard our episode with James Waterhouse. Um, If not, I will link to that in the show notes. We've got masterclasses with James about how to get in touch with and do well when we engage with the broadcast media. Um, And I've also got a masterclass in Do More Than Therapy with Rachel Spencer about how to engage with the print media and help to spread your message um, to loads of people um, via print media or the online versions of the print media, traditional media. Uh, That's really, really important for building authority because again, we tend to trust people that we've seen on the news. We tend to trust people that we've seen in the newspaper. It helps you reach a different section of the community, uh, which I think is really important for getting our messages out there. Like I had an article in the Daily Mail and I never would have been able to reach that audience um, without getting that article in that particular place because they're not looking at my social media um why would they (laughs) um so I managed to show up where they were already at Um, and I think that is one of the most beautiful things about media engagement and I'd really recommend it it also really helps you to build your authority so I'm going to link to the podcast episodes that give you a bit more information about how to follow that strategy. But if you are interested in seriously building your authority, then we've got uh, masterclasses in Do More Than Therapy on everything that I've mentioned here today. So do come over and have a look at the membership because if you really want to accelerate in this direction, we've got a lot of resources in there that are really going to help push you forward. Okay. So the final marketing strategy that I want to talk about today is marketing your psychology practice by building an online audience. And building an online audience is about making sure that there are always people who like what you do, ready to buy your products or use your service when the time is right for them. So this is a long-term strategy. It provides security, steady income, And it's an asset that ultimately impacts the saleability of your practice when it comes to retirement. So I know, you know, I'm a long way off thinking about retirement. It's often not at the forefront of our minds. Um, But actually, I did a coaching call with some much more sensible people um, than me the other day who were talking about this. And I thought, yeah, actually, having an online audience who are specifically interested in you and your business, who have signed up to your email list that is a valuable asset that is something that somebody else could take over and buy from you when you are ready to bow out of your business. It's also 
completely essential if you intend to sell products like books or online courses that only become profitable when you sell a lot of them. You cannot run an online business without a good online audience behind you. It's just not possible. So you want to make sure that you're focusing on this when you want to spread a message to lots of people or you want to make societal or cultural change because again that involves talking to lots of people. You need to focus on this if you need to sell a lot of a lower cost product, a book, an online course, something like that. Um, You want to focus on this if you're at the stage where your business is running really well but you want to ensure it has longevity and you want to create a saleable practice. And you also will benefit from focusing on this if you know, you've, you've done a lot of authority building and you've done a lot of kind of high touch relationship building, but you're still not quite able to purely work with people who have chosen you for your approach and your specialism. Because this is gonna make sure that there are people coming into your world who are really excited to work with you. So it, it has benefits there too. So how do we go about this then? Well, essentially, this is about making sure that people see the cornerstone content that you created when you were focusing on building authority and then giving them a way of staying in touch with you afterwards. So it involves social media promotion of that cornerstone content. So getting the word out about your blog post, podcast episode or YouTube videos on social media, maybe building a community of your own on social media. And again, we've got podcast episodes which go into the strategy of how you will do that. Uh, So I'll link to those in the show notes. It also involves giving away some kind of free download or free webinar in exchange for an email address. From that, you can then collect an email list of ideal clients who you know are interested in in the services and products that you offer. It then involves email marketing to those people. And while you're doing all of this, you're still gonna be doing all of the steps that we've already covered in authority. So as you might have worked out here, I've presented these three strategies in this order because they are dependent on each other. You can't spend time on building authority before you gain your first few clients and get some money coming in because you're gonna go broke. (laughs) You also can't start building an online audience if you have no authority and nothing to say to that audience um, because you know, you're just going to run out of steam, run out of inspiration very, very quickly. So for most people, it makes sense to start with the high touch relationship building, then in some, then add in some authority building activities before finally focusing on building an online audience. Um, obviously, you need to look at your projects and your priorities and where you are at your business at the moment. Um, and I hope this has given you a framework to start building your marketing plan. If you need more in-depth advice and support, we literally have masterclasses on everything that I've been talking about today within the Do More Than Therapy membership to help support you at whatever stage of your marketing plan. So I really hope that you will come over, have a look at what we've got on offer in the membership and consider joining us. Because the one thing that I have learned about marketing is that doing it with the support of other like-minded ethical professionals is so much easier than sitting in your room and worrying about it on your own. A lot of this stuff feels really scary 
I, I imagine when I was talking about the authority building stuff, there were, you know, a few raised heart rates and a few sweaty palms. Um, I know when I do that stuff, I still feel that way. But doing it in the company of like-minded people who share your values and share your vision and have similar reasons for wanting to get their messages out there makes it all feel so much more possible. That's the feedback I get time and time again from the Do Modern Therapy members. And it's how I feel being not just the leader of the community, but also part of it. (laughs) It's very much how I feel about the community. So please do come over and and check out the Do Modern Therapy membership for the knowledge, but also the support that you need to get any of these marketing strategies working for you. Are you looking to build an independent practice that is fulfilling, impactful, and financially rewarding? Did you know that I run a business course that's designed to help you do exactly that without making all the mistakes I made along the way? Over 12 weeks, we take you through everything you need to know to set up a practice that lets you live your values. Through a combination of teaching from experts, legal templates to make sure your practice is covered, peer support and group coaching sessions this is the place for anyone looking to get off the starting blocks in private practice the course is always accessible in pre-recorded format and three times a year we run a live cohort so what are you waiting for join us at psychologybusinessschool.com forward slash the psychology business school the links in the show notes Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Business of Psychology podcast. If you share my passion for doing more than therapy, then make sure you come over and join my free Do More Than Therapy Facebook community, where you can work on getting your big ideas off the ground with like-minded psychologists and therapists. I'd also love it if you could leave this show a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcasts. It will help more of the people who need it to find it. See you next week for more tips and inspirational stories to help you do more than therapy.